Hello, everyone. This is Food Talk with Danny Nirenberg's executive producer, Rob Perra. On today's episode, Danny sits down with Tina May of Lando Lakes and Dan Sonke of the Campbell Soup Company to talk about how the companies are joining together to support farmers and the environment with groundbreaking ag tech and new sustainability goals. Enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Food Talk with Danny Nirenberg. Today, I am talking to Tina May, the Senior Director of Sustainability at Lando Lakes, and Dan Sonke, the Director of Sustainable Agriculture at Campbell Soup Company. Um, thanks to you both for being here today. It's uh, great to meet you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here. So um, I start off every podcast the same way, and I like to ask my guests their favorite food memory. Uh, So Dan, why don't you go first? I love the question. I I was thinking about how I would answer, and one of my favorite memories is actually not of me eating food. It's uh, overhearing a conversation between my grandfather and my uncle This was probably 10 years ago. I was working in the food industry on sustainability issues and following food trends and how chefs and others, you know, promote a better understanding of seasonality and the cycle of agriculture. And I was at a family gathering and I I overheard my uncle and my grandfather, neither of whom went to college and both were in farming, as were several several other members of our family. Uh They were talking about the fruit trees that grow around the farmhouse. And, you know, the, the persimmons are coming ripe. At, you know, they usually come ripe at about this time of the year. But the other persimmons, the other variety, they come ripe a little bit later. And, yeah. you know, the, the attributes of each. And I just was struck with this fond um, feeling that, oh, you know, these, these salt-of-the-earth people were are the original foodies. The farmers <laughs> really sure. are the original foodies. And I love it. And seeing that reflected in my own family would just is something I think about a lot yeah. and in my in my role. So. Oh, that's awesome. Tina, what's yours? Uh, Dan, that is awesome. <laughs> I, uh, I want to come out and meet them. Um, you know, mine, uh, I grew up uh, on the Minnesota-Iowa state line on a dead-end gravel road outside of a really small town. Mm-hmm called Stacyville, Iowa, and our town festival was called Bratwurst Days. <laughs> and when I was in high school, uh, the town was raising money for a new library and was kind of getting into running at the time and thought, what could we do here? And I, I started a, a nonprofit uh, to help raise money. Um, we're, we're, we're still doing it every single year. It's like uh, I started it as a 4-H project. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that has to be every parent's worst nightmare, helping their adult children <laughs> execute on their 4-H projects. Uh, but it's it's something that uh, I go home uh, to do every year and now uh, taking taking my family and, and my little kids and uh, having a bratwurst on a hot summer day after that run in Stacyville, Iowa. Uh, it's about great. the best thing ever. That's great. I think we grew up in similar places. I, I'm from Defiance, Missouri, and bratwurst were a big part of, of church dinners. And so yeah. I remember them um, not the always fondly. <laughs> but yeah, oh my gosh, sauerkraut for sure. Applesauce. Yeah. Um, so that's yeah. great. Well, thank you both for sharing. Before we dig into how 
your your companies are working together in, in sort of this collaborative way. I, you know, I think it's fascinating that you both come from farming backgrounds. And do you, I mean, that had to influence your interest in, in working in the food industry. Can you both talk a little bit about that? Tina, do you want to sort of talk about your trajectory and how, I mean, you've done so many different things, including working in government. Do you think, you know, having that farming background sort of, you know, made you do what you do now? Made you want to do what you do now? You know, uh, of course, absolutely full stop all the way. It wasn't always that way though. Um, When I was in high school, uh, you know, I was, it was a small town. So it was one of those high schools where you could be involved in, in everything you wanted to be and and do it all, uh, you know, 4-H, FFA, whatever it was, sports. Um, But it was a hard time in ag. And I saw Mm -hmm. my parents, they both had off-farm, blue-collar jobs plus Mm -hmm. farming. And I saw agriculture as um, heartbreak and bill pay. Yeah, and uh, I'm the first generation in my family to go to college, and it was when it came time for me to make a decision. Agriculture was the last thing I mm-hmm. wanted to do, and it wasn't until um, about halfway through that I realized um, it was what I was passionate about, yeah. and that uh, my eyes were opened that there there are careers in agriculture um, beyond just uh, the farm production side, yeah. and I could make it my life's work to help uh, farm farms like ours and farm families like ours uh, through advocacy and through uh, sustainable ag to help those farm families mm-hmm. find uh, find ways to thrive. Yeah. No. Again, it's very similar because I I couldn't wait to get out of my small town, and you know my mom still thinks it's hilarious that I now worship farmers and work so closely to <laughs> you know to help promote what they're doing, et cetera. So yeah, I, it's very funny. Dan, how about you? I'm I'm laughing here silently in the background because <laughs> there's a lot of similarity in my background. I, I did grow up on a farm, although in California an almond farm, and uh, always enjoyed uh, the gardening and horticulture side of life on the farm, but was a geeky kid who had no intention of staying on the farm or going back to the farm. But I went to college in Iowa and went through two winters and discovered I really missed growing things. (laughs) Right. That'll do it. you know, to be to be fair to the Iowans, they I, I was always leaving Iowa to go back to California about mm-hmm. the time things were greening up. So I was experiencing not the best side of of life in Iowa for that from that perspective. But um, for, so I started you know growing house plants and you know getting involved with horticulture as a hobby. And my friends kept saying, "Well, why are you in communications major instead of mm-hmm. horticulture?" Mm-hmm. and I finally got halfway through college and said, yeah, I think I do have a passion around this. Mm-hmm. And I changed my majors to environmental studies with all my electives coming from plant sciences and went to work in international agriculture for several years, then did a graduate degree in uh, pest management, because not because I had a passion in that, but felt like I was rounding out my education that way. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, sustainable agriculture became an opportunity career-wise through some projects I was doing in grad school and um, uh, have been in sustainable agriculture programs ever since with a passion for 
helping the agriculture community that I came from and have a lot of respect for communicate their story to the rest of the world, first of all, because there are so many things that are making uh, agriculture more sustainable that aren't well represented yet or Mm. not well communicated. So that's part of my passion. But also recognizing that there are real global challenges facing us that agriculture is a part of and we must address them. And so using tools to help both the agriculture community, the the food uh, business world, and then the, the broader society to understand those challenges and address them. Nice. Nice. I love that we're all coming from kind of the same place and looking at this in, in uh, interesting ways. So I, I want to talk about how your your companies, Campbell's and Land O'Lakes, have, have sort of recently partnered and you're working with um, the organization Environmental Defense and the Mill, which is located in Bel Air, Maryland, on a project around uh, around climate change. So Tina, I, I probably want to start with you and, you know, Land O'Lakes started this, uh, this initiative, the Truterra Insights Engine last year to, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but to, I think, measure the impact of different farm practices on, on climate change. And so I'm hoping that you can give our listeners sort of a, an explanation of how it works and then what kind of recommendations and suggestions the engine gives farmers who, you know, are literally in the fields growing crops for both of your companies? Sure, you bet. Um, the Truterra Insights Engine uh, was really uh, built to advance uh, soil health, water quality, and climate smart ag practices. And how this works is uh, there are plenty of ag tech tools out there that help farmers um, uh, of all sizes and no matter what Mm -hmm. types of crops or food ingredients they're growing. uh, These ag tech tools are built to help them uh, with prescriptions or seeding rates, uh, the agronomic component. Mm -hmm. And what the TrueTerra Insights Engine was built to do was to complement those already existing Mm -hmm. uh, ag tech tools and really help a farmer uh, track and understand and provide insights to that farmer into how those crops were grown and then track the climate impacts in real time. Mm. And then to project and put and put those climate impacts into a dollars and cents calculation. So a farmer can start to see the ROI mm-hmm. of sustainability practices on their actual fields. And working with uh, Campbell Soup and Dan's team and executing this through uh, the agronomist at at the mill in, in Bel Air, Maryland, out there through this pilot, uh-huh. um, we're able to roll up and aggregate and really see uh, those climate smart ag practices and the impacts to the Chesapeake Bay and, and quantify where we're doing a good job collectively and where we have room to grow. So. Um, for us, we've learned a ton. Yeah. Uh, our farmers have learned a ton too. Uh, and I think that's one of the best parts of it is uh, giving the farmers, uh, arming them really with the information to be the yeah. best they can be. And and what kind of, I mean, you said you've learned a lot. What what are you both learning? Maybe Dan can jump in here too. What, what's been a sort of aha or surprise moment for you both? Yeah, Dan, I'll start uh, and then I'll turn it over to you. So we're running a pilot 
uh, in Maryland and Pennsylvania. And one of the things we've learned is that uh, nearly 90% of the acres in the pilot are using no-till. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, over 50% are already using cover crops. Um, those two numbers uh, surprise me. Um, those farmers are pretty sophisticated in that region. Mm-hmm. And then we, we learned where uh, we can be better and then also where those agronomists should work with those farmers mm. um, to do education, training, and further outreach uh, to increase some practices as well. Right. Dan, do you want to jump in? Yeah, I I was so impressed when the True Terror Engine was able to provide the information that Tina just mentioned, and I had the same you know, joyful, <laughs> aha, we've got you know, over 50% of the acres in the program or in cover crops and I would never have guessed it was that high and was yeah. you know, very pleased to be able to communicate that perspective um, to other stakeholders that are important to us as a company. That's great. So, so Tina, you mentioned that your, your, the, the engine is able to translate these practices into sort of the dollar and, and cents part and the return on investment that's happening for farmers. Can you elaborate on that? I mean, what, what kind of numbers are we talking about? How much are farmers saving from, from implementing some of the practices that, you know, the agronomist and the engine and, and, and others are suggesting? Yeah, uh, the Truterra Insights Engine is really a, an enablement tool, and it allows that agronomist to have a tailgate or a kitchen table conversation mm. directly with that farmer. And it lines up that farmer's crop budget uh, with then a database of what are the um, NRCS-approved uh, conservation practices in that county. Mm-hmm. And then, for example, on USDA cost share programs, um, what is the per acre payment for that specific practice in gotcha. that county? Mm-hmm. And if you compare and contrast with their crop budget um, and then where they have um, – uh, overlay with yield of the field and uh, essentially red acres and green acres and turning those red acres green, if you will, into profitable acres and and making uh, holistic decisions where it's not just based on chasing a yield, right? um, but it's about the optimization of that full acre and everything that's coming off of it, not just the commodity, but also those environmental benefits. It's so interesting. Can you both talk about the, the, you know, what kind of farmers are we talking about who work with, with both of your companies? Can you sort of describe them? Is there sort of a, a, you know, I don't know if you can generalize, but who, who are these farmers? What are they growing? What are they like? You know, they're, they're not just living in Maryland, they're living elsewhere too, but can you give us a sense of, of who these farmers are? You want me to start, Gina? Uh, sure. Yeah. So there's a couple of ways that we answer that question at Campbell Soup Company. In some of our ingredients, typically in the vegetable world, for example, in our tomato crop, we direct contract with farms. We have you know, family farms in California that provide tomatoes to us every year. 80% of them have been providing to Campbell's for at least 25 years in a row. Uh, so we have long history working relationships with these farms. It's, it's a wonderful story. But for our snack division, we buy wheat flour, which necessarily has to come from the mill. 
the line of sight back to the farm is much harder for mm. us as a company. Mm-hmm. And so we we were able to approach the mills and say, where where in the geography are you sourcing these grains? And we were pleasantly surprised to say that they, they could actually quantify it as within, you know, 200 miles of the mill is where the vast majority of the wheat is coming from, which gave us a place to approach sustainability uh-huh. on acres that would be feeding into those mills, which is where Sustain comes in in Land O'Lake. Uh, we were able to uh, go to them and, and say, you know, are you able to identify a partner in this geography? Uh-huh. And, and they brought to us the mill, which has been just a wonderful experience. We had already agreed to, to work with Sustain because we... We, we genuinely have this philosophy that it is the trusted relationship which allows you to advance mm-hmm. sustainability with the farmer. We have that with our tomato farmers. We don't have that with our wheat farmers, but, but Land O'Lakes does. They have the existing relationships and the existing advice relationships mm-hmm. with the farmers, which made them just a wonderful partner to work with to tap into those relationships and encourage uh, a sustainability mindset mm. in the relationship that already exists. Interesting. Interesting. Tina, do you want to jump in? Yeah. You know, in this pilot, um, we have some of, uh, I think the best farmers in the Chesapeake Bay watershed. Um, you know, we have uh, one family, the Mays family, um, multi-generational, nice <laughs> Yeah, no relation, by the way. <laughs> uh, multi-generational, but, you know, this uh, this wheat that they're growing on their farm uh, that they are so committed to and their, their legacy, and they really do think about the heartbeat of the Chesapeake Bay yeah. running through their farm. Um, but then they have their, the next generation is, you go out to the farm and the next generation is right there and they're running around and you know, uh, as mom with young kids, uh, I myself eat a lot of goldfish, but you see these kids, uh, you know, consuming the products that their wheat goes into and yeah. the, the tie out, um, that's meaningful. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why we do what we do. Uh, there's another farmer that's part of this pilot. Um, he grows wheat, uh, but his family, they're also a commercial peach operation and they're mm-hmm. right across the Pennsylvania line. And, you know, just these diversified family operations, um, that's really what uh, Land Lakes is all about as a farmer-owned cooperative, and we're pretty proud of that. Thanks. Thanks for sharing both those. I, I, I like, you know, getting a sense of, of who you all are working with. So, so Dan, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Campbell's as a company. You've had, like, lots of changes over the last few years, and I don't think a lot of our listeners even knew that there was a director of sustainable agriculture, you know, was, was working with Sustain and Land O'Lakes and, and on this project with the, the Truterra engine, was that kind of a no brainer for the company or was it seen as a big risk? Did you have to really sell this to, to folks above you or was it sort of like, Oh, of course we should do this. Um, we had already developed goals internally when I was hired already eight years ago to address sustainability and agriculture supply chains. Um, I will say that wheat, however, came to our attention through a key customer who approached us and said that their own scoping, 
work with environmental organizations had identified uh, commodity crops, uh, row crops grown in much of the United States as a concern related to fertilizer and the impact mm-hmm. on watersheds mm-hmm. and greenhouse gases. And so they invited us and many other companies to make a commitment to um, to work on that issue. Mm-hmm. We approached Environmental Defense Fund at that time and said, help us find the right partner to do that. And as I mentioned, they brought to us a couple of options that um, included uh, sustain, which was just getting off the ground at the time. And when I heard, you know, that that they had this, you know, existing relationships with farmers. Uh, they set up a call, and I had my mental list of, you know, if uh, as as a sustainable agriculture person, I know what the practices are that I would recommend if I was going to launch a program. And I didn't mention them. I asked them to mention what they were focusing on, and their list and my list were were matching. Mm-hmm. And I I said to myself, this. This is it. This is the partner I can work with because they have the relationships and they understand the science and they're going to take an approach that is farmer friendly. Yeah. So that's where we got to the relationship. Um, and as I mentioned, we, we had this internal commitment, but we were also getting questions from uh, customers about sustainable agriculture. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it sounds like you had a sort of strategy in place, but having that sort of extra push from from that customer helped you maybe find an opportunity you didn't know about before. Um, I, I want to talk about the the Chesapeake and, and why that's such an important region. Tina said, you know, some the farmers that that you're all are working with there, you know, it's the heartbeat, heartbeat of of the Chesapeake Bay. Why is the Chesapeake for our listeners so important and why is this sort of initiative, you know, uh, around climate important? For Campbell Soup, uh, you know, we look at the landscape of sustainable sustainability and challenges related to forcing in sustainable agriculture. You you can very quickly say the Chesapeake Bay, the Great Lakes, the Mississippi River Basin mm-hmm. all have very visible challenges related to nutrients in water. Chesapeake Bay obviously is surrounded by you know roughly a third of the United States population. It is going to be a very visible problem that society in, in the United States needs to address. And so, you know, we feel like it's an opportunity to demonstrate with the right partner that progress can be made. Shuchera has already shown us what's going on in a positive way. It also shows us opportunities to do better with those farmers. And um, we're, we're really excited about it. Tina, anything to add there? Yeah, for us, and I think Campbell's too, uh, whether it's the Chesapeake Bay or the Mississippi River Basin or um, Leech Lake in Minnesota, um, all meaningful conservation activity has to be, by definition, local. And it's these uh, farmers that own us, own Land O'Lakes, and, and work with our partners like Campbell Soup, um, this is inborn in them, and they're they're recreating uh, at these places on the weekend with mm-hmm. their kids, mm-hmm. and um, it's 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 their communities, and um, we want to give them the tools uh, that they that they need and the education and training 
to protect and defend these places yeah. that uh, we uphold as a country, really. Yeah, that, that makes sense in so many ways. And you're, you're right. I mean, it's not, you know, I think a lot of people think, okay, farmers are just farmers, but this, you know, these communities are places they live and, you know, like you said, enjoy and, 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 you know, boat and, and fish and do all these other things. And so they, they want to protect it too. I'm interested because this is a pilot, how, you know, for, for both of your sort of different, um, you know, bases, you know, for Land O'Lakes, Land O'Lakes, how are you, are you communicating this information to farmers who are not part of the pilot? And for Campbell's, do consumers understand what you're trying to do or, or, you know, how are you communicating that to sort of your customer base? Yeah, for Land O'Lakes, absolutely. Um, yes, we are absolutely communicating this pilot to farmers that aren't necessarily in uh, in this region or or even in the pilot. Um, for us, it's about the potential future collaboration and what we can do next and mm-hmm. then get these farmers excited about how we can um, grow this in their communities and regions as well. Yeah, from the Campbell perspective, this has been a phenomenal pilot for us uh, with some very early successes. Um, it is in a geography close to our headquarters mm-hmm. in New Jersey, mm-hmm. so that provides opportunities to do storytelling and bring leadership out to the to the program. And uh, you know, we've we've learned a lot. We are working with Sustain with Land Lakes to expand the learnings to another geography that we've identified that is important to our sourcing. So, Can you not tell us yet? Is it a secret? <laughs> It's in Ohio, um, <laughs> um, but that's a, that's an area that has um, a lot of um, our manufacturing is actually in Ohio for various products. Uh-huh. And so that was an area that we early on said we uh, we wanted to move into next, and so we're we're going to continue with the Chesapeake Bay, but expand into Ohio um, coming in the next year. Very cool. As far as Communicating, we communicate to a wide variety of stakeholders. I mentioned customers. Um, we get surveyed by customers on our sustainability information, and that includes very specific questions, sometimes surprisingly specific questions about agriculture uh-huh. and what's going on. And so the true Terra information has already been valuable for us in answering questions that go to our customers who decide to buy from us and stock their shelves based on some of this information. We also communicate to investors who are concerned about mm-hmm. responsibility in the company that they invest in. And then we work with Sustain on other communications that go out more broadly to interested stakeholders. Great, great. I mean, I, I think that's so important for, for what you, you know, both companies are doing. You have to share this information. You have to make it sort of accessible and You know, one of the reasons that I was interested in talking to you both is because this is such a, I mean, at least for me, and and you're both in the business world way uh, on a way deeper level than than I am as an observer. But I think this is such a a unique collaboration and showing how different companies can work together. You know, do you do you think that what you've sort of created with this will spread to to other com- uh, other companies and you know who are working in different with different commodities or different products? I think we see that happening already. 
Uh, we certainly talk about sustain a lot and encourage other companies to get involved. Um, but the principles behind sustain uh, that Tina that mentioned, I think, are just so important to reiterate that we're equipping farmers with the tools that they understand to make economic decisions on their farm. Mm-hmm. And that's been a theme that I promote every chance I can get to whatever stakeholder will listen because we can't make sustainability advance just by asking the growers yeah. to give our company information. That doesn't necessarily change anything. They need the tools that use data to help them make decisions. And they make great decisions already, but can the tools give them more information mm-hmm. and more perspective mm-hmm. to make even even better decisions? Mm-hmm. And I fundamentally believe it can, and I, I'm seeing that philosophy penetrate the industry. Uh, Dan, that was great. Um, one of the things that we're really starting to see and realize is if you equip farmers with uh, the right tools and education and training uh, through that trusted advisor, uh, typically they're agronomists. Yeah. Uh, the sky's really the limit, and you know, call that call that agronomist their sustainability coach. Yeah. Um, but it uh, uh, the the quick results we've seen working with Campbell's, uh, and then scaling this now into Ohio with the Campbell's team, is is something we're really uh, looking forward to working on over the coming year. Great, great. Um, before we sort of turn to the final questions, where can people find more information about, you know, obviously both of your companies, but also this initiative um, in, in particular? From a Campbell's perspective, uh, we have a corporate social responsibility report online at CampbellCSR.com. Campbell CSR being one word with no breaks. Um, we put a lot of information about all of our sustainability projects, including this one, in that uh, location. Great. Tina? Yep. And for us, we're at landalakesustain.com. Awesome. So not to make this, uh, you know, this is an uncomfortable question, so I'm going to ask it. Uh, You know, this all sounds awesome. It sounds like unicorns and rainbows and everything I like about, you know, food and agriculture. What has frustrated you most about this project? And, you know, maybe just take a a few seconds. You you don't have to go that deep. But is is there been something that's been particularly frustrating or a, a challenge that you've encountered that's just been like, ugh. I wish we'd known X, Y, Z before we started this. Hmm, that is a good, thoughtful question. Um, you know, I don't know if it's a frustration, but um, the farmers that own us are independent, and um, it, this is voluntary. Uh, we're not forcing yeah. anything. And Danny, you know this, Dan knows this too, uh, just coming from our collective farm background. Um, yet we have to make it intuitive uh, for the for the farmer and, and also incentivize it because in the end, it's really about changing behavior and uh, really helping a farmer create holistic mm-hmm. management shifts mm-hmm. in their operations. Dan, any particular frustrations? I would say not so much a frustration, but a learning that we've <laughs> we've worked through is that you know we've discovered that Lando Lakes 
and their team is really good at communicating to the farmer. Mm-hmm. And we have we have more expertise in translating the program into the language of our stakeholders. Mm-hmm. So we've learned that we have to identify the target audience and agree who we're focusing on when we do communication work together and just, you know, lean on each other appropriately in those situations. So um, as long as we understand who the target audience is, I think everything goes great. And and when we don't have that set up in, in advance, then we, we have to work through the issues. Great. Interesting. Um, because I like to end on a positive note and I end every podcast the same way, I'm going to ask you both a set of, of rapid fire questions and you just really have to say the first thing that pops into your head. Okay. Ready? (laughs) (laughs) It's not hard. (laughs) Um, Favorite book? Dan, go first. Uh, The Bible. Interesting. You're the first person. This is amazing. After countless interviews, I can't believe. I I thought someone would say that, and you're my first. Oh, good. Tina, go. Um, (laughs) um, What's that one book called? The Red Hen? Little Red Hen? (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. That's awesome. <laughs> Another first. I love it. Okay. Who inspires you the most? Tina. Oh, my kids. Awesome. Dan. My wife. My wife, um, for so many reasons, but in the food world, we've been married for 21 years and uh, we've evolved together and it's been fun to watch. Congratulations. That's awesome. Okay. Final question for you both. What do you think about when you're not thinking about food and agriculture and your respective jobs? Is gardening too close to agriculture? Food, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if if that's all you have, I get it. (laughs) All I think about is food, like my next meal. (laughs) So I I understand. (laughs) Gardening's great. Tina? Yeah, food. Uh, uh, Also, too, my husband and I dream quite a bit about uh, farming ourselves and what that would look like. Uh, We've 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 been attempting to get our hands on some land. So uh, we think about that quite a bit. Nice. Well, it's been so great to talk to you both. I learned a lot. Thanks for sharing this info and and, um, you know, I'll look forward to, to seeing where the pilot goes and and, you know, seeing what happens in Ohio and elsewhere. Thanks to you both so much. Thank you, Danny. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Food Talk with Danny Nirenberg. Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. Make sure to return to foodtank.com every day for original reporting and analysis on the most pressing issues impacting our food system.